Well, let's take us a songbook. Let's stand together and let's turn. Let's see. I covered up my song list. Let's turn to number 413. 413. Stand and sing. Love lifted me. Just second, sister. All right, here we go. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, thinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving, servant to to him belong. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saved. He will lift you by his love out of the angry wave. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Turn around, shake somebody's hand this morning, tell them you're glad they're here. Oh, man. 
amen. I'm proud I'm a part. I'm glad I'm part of the family. I can say I'm proud I'm a part of the family of God. You can say that without having any sin in it, amen. I'm thankful that Jesus has saved my soul. I don't, I'm not proud because of anything I did, but I sure am thankful for my Savior. Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus saved your soul? Amen. You know, somebody may be listening to this this morning and has no idea how to be saved and they ain't never been saved. And let me ask you that again because it didn't sound like we were very convincing because there's people listening to us. you got to remember that. How many of you are glad you're saved this morning? Say amen. amen. That sounds a little more like saved people. Amen. All right. Well, I'm glad I'm saved. And I'm thankful for all that the Lord has done in my life and is doing in my life. And I'm glad I'm in church this morning. It's good to be with you and uh, good to see your faces. And I hope and pray the Lord's been blessing you. But we've got prayer needs and we're able to go to Heavenly Father and take our take our request to him knowing that he hears and answers prayer. So what we got this morning? Prayer request. Miss Charlotte? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, brother. We're praying. Anybody else? All right. Anybody else? Anything else? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let's ask God to meet with us and pray the Spirit of God stirs in here this morning. All right, Richard, lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Father, we thank you for bringing us all to your faith with you, Lord, and we thank you for your word and power in our lives, Father. We just put the circle with us right now. And Father, you know what they are, you know yes. what needs are. And Father, we just, um, we just pray for these things in a very special way as we lift them up to you. And Father, be with us now. Amen. You can be seated. number 395 I'm sorry 495 495 this morning brethren we have met for worship brethren we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God will you pray with all your power while we try to Preach the word. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. Brethren, pray and holy manna will be showered all around. Brethren, see for sinners round you suffering on the brink of woe. Death is coming, hell is moving, can you bear to let them go? See our fathers and our mothers and our children sinking down. Brethren, pray and holy manna will. 
no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. My Savior pardons me, and now onward go. I know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I have a loving Savior up in glory land. I don't expect to stop until I with him stand. He's waiting now for me in heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Praise God. How true that is. How true that is. The old songs of faith, they just get more real the further you go. The light gets brighter, the path gets clearer as we go along. Amen.
worthy of all our praise, all our admiration, all our songs, all our poetry. Anything we can offer to the Lord is not enough. Amen. It's not enough. Nothing can ever can ever compare to what he's done for me. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to be in church with you this morning. It's a blessing to be able to come to church. We don't we take it for granted sometimes. But just to thank you know, there's some people that I and I know them, I've known them for years, they follow my ministry and the reason they follow my ministry is not because there's not a better preacher somewhere, but there's not one close to them. There's so many people around this country that live in areas where there is not a good Bible believing church. And so they're starving to death for preaching. And just we take for granted because we we have a good church. We have we have uh, people that have preached the word of God. I mean, I can name you in a in a twenty mile radius some good preachers. But I, I'm I'm very thankful. And I, I want to say to anybody that might be watching us this morning, that might be listening in to us, we want you to visit with us. We want you to come and 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 visit with us in person here at Temple Baptist Church at 303 North Short Street in Clarksville, Texas. I don't give that address out hardly at all, but we 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 want people to visit. And if you've never if you've never been in an old time country church, we are one, ain't we? Amen. Hallelujah. I don't mind using that bad grammar either. We're in the country, and we like it that way. Amen. It's uh, people make you feel at home, and make you feel loved, and and they're friendly. So come and be with us some some Sunday or Wednesday night. We'll be glad to have you. Amen. Take your Bible. Turn to First Thessalonians chapter four this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I'm going to have to hurry if I'm going to make it in time this morning, but we'll try. We've only got, we've only got four verses. I know that comforts your heart lots when I say that because, yes, I can stretch, man. I, I can stretch it to fit. Stretch it to fit. It'll go pulling when I hit it and stretch the back, but I'll stretch it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Let's read those scriptures, amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Paul said, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. For indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are all which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask God to add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the Bible. Lord, there's so much treasure out there in just those four verses. There's so much for us to grasp. And I pray, Lord, this morning you'd help us to grasp it. Lord, you pray. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you'd open our understanding. Lord, that you illuminate our darkness and help us to grasp, Lord, this this matter of brotherly kindness this morning. Help us, Lord, to wrap our minds and our hearts and our lives around it. And, Lord, uh, make it a part of us. Lord, I pray, Father, that we'll understand the, the very great need of being Christ-like. And that's what we're talking about this morning, is loving others the way Christ loved us. Lord God, please help us. Help me the next few moments. I want to be filled with your spirit. I surrender myself to you afresh. I ask you, Lord, anything in my life that might hinder the message from going forth in power, I pray, Father God, you take it from me. Lord God, I surrender it to you now. And I ask you, Lord, to use me, fill me up with the power of God, pour me out this morning on your people. 
Lord, use me. I don't want a bit of credit. I know it's you. And I ask you, please, to do it for your glory and for your honor and, for your, and Lord, for your purpose. Father, please, touch your people's lives this morning. Speak to hearts, Lord. Change us that, Lord, we might, that we might be useful for you to make an impact in this lost and dying world. Lord, help us now. Speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. It's so good to be in church. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It's good to be here and good to be with you. All right, so we're looking this morning at brotherly love. It's interesting, since I'm a I'm a football fan and I'm a Cowboys fan, and I, and I wore I wore blue on purpose this morning because I'm a Cowboys fan, and and the Cowboys are playing Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. I just love how God does things. I know that has nothing to do with this, but but I see little things, and y'all, you know, y'all y'all just overlook me. But but uh, anyway, but I'll say this: Philadelphia is not a brotherly love city, even though it's named that. Amen. It's it's they call it the city of brotherly shove. Uh, but but anyway, we're not going to talk about Philadelphia this morning. We're not here to talk football. We're not here to talk about cowboys and all that stuff. We're here this morning to talk about about God's city. Amen. We're here to talk about God's people, and we're here to talk about this matter of brotherly love, which the Bible describes in here. As we looked last week, when we started in this chapter, again, we're we're talking about sanctification. We talked about salvation in the first part of this letter, but now in the second half, Paul is talking to them addressing sanctification, or again, being set apart to God for his use. And and so he talked last week, we talked, remember we talked last week about uh, about abstaining from fornication, about coming out from the uncleanness of, of the flesh and, and, and the urges of the flesh and those things that they had been so ingrained in and had, had, had they, they grew up in it. That's all they knew. But they've come out from that. They've came out from idols and turned away from the filth and, and the fornication and things and, and the, the life of filthiness that they'd lived before. But now he addresses something different. He not, he goes away, he's not leaving holiness, but he's moving on to something else, which is brotherly love. Brotherly love. But again, the word is Philadelphia for that phrase. The Greek word is Philadelphia. Again, that's where the city comes from uh, because it was originally uh, supposed to say this is the city of brotherly love. And, and again, that was our, it was actually originally our, our nation's capital. I don't know if you knew that or not. But, uh, but anyway, that has nothing to do with this message again. He said, but as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So again, I want us to look at the importance of brotherly love in the Christian life. And and the Apostle Paul is pleased to find these Thessalonians exhibiting brotherly love. Again, he's been with them three weeks. He's been gone for a while now. He sends Timothy back to find out how they're doing. Timothy comes back, and this is the report he gives him that they are exhibiting brotherly love. Amen? I mean, it says it right there in in, in verse 9. Amen? Ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed you do it all. You do it toward all the brethren which are all in all Macedonia. Okay? So, again, brotherly love is so important. And Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 10 describing brotherly love. In Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, Jesus said, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? 
how readest thou? And he answering said, Thou thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Let's go back through that again. Love the Lord with all thy heart. That's your devotion. With all thy soul, that's 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 your expression to other people. Uh, with all your strength, that's with all the, you know what that means. That's everything you've got. And with all your mind, you're to you're to you're to put all your thought life into it. We're to give ourselves solely to loving God like that. And He said, "And thy neighbor as thyself." And He said unto him, "Thou hast answered right. Do, and thou shalt live." And, but he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and this was a dangerous road that was full of thieves, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So they, they took his clothes off of him, and they beat him almost dead, and left him laying there. And by chance, there came down this uh, down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, he was a legal lawyer, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, so he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. I heard a story years ago. A preacher told a story about this little this little girl he picked up on the bus, a little black girl. She was in a Sunday school class, and the teacher was telling this story. And she told the story. The priest came by and looked at the man. He was beat half to death and bleeding. And he went by on the other side. Or he, looked, he saw him, and he went by on the other side. And then the Levite came and looked on him and went by and passed on the other side. The Sunday school teacher said, little girl, what would you do if you, if you saw him laying there? He said, oh, I'd have thrown it up. So anyway, that, so people have different reactions, amen? But but I don't know if we throw up or not, but, but Jesus tells about the third man, okay? This third man came by, a certain Samaritan. And as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he didn't have the same reaction as other people. He had compassion on him. And when he, he went to him, and he bound up his wounds. So he didn't just leave him bleeding, he's taking care of him. And he poured in oil and wine, which was curative, and he set him on his own beast. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. So he nursed him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now which of these three thinkest thou was a neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, well, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. Amen. So, now this is, again, this is described as to a neighbor. This is what Jesus is saying to a neighbor. Okay. So he's saying, this is the way that, uh, this is the way we ought to be to other people. We see somebody, regardless of who they are, we're, we're to go and have compassion on them and do what we can and show love to them. And, and, and he's saying, this is, this is how you treat your neighbor. You treat him as you would yourself because if you were laying there 
You'd want somebody to have compassion on you and take care of you and get you back up on your feet again. All right, he's describing what to do to a neighbor. Well, more favor than that would be shown to a brother. A brother's familial. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a different kind of love there than there is for a stranger. Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. In other words, it should never stop. Brotherly love ought to be something that we show all the time. Now, that brotherly love, again, that's the word, Philadelphia, and, it, and it's, it's a little bit different. Then the, the, there's different words in the Bible. There's, there's agape, okay, and that's that's God's love. That's unmerited favor. That, that, that's showing somebody favor above measure, and, and it's continuous, okay? Then there's agapeo, which is the verb form of, of agape, which means to love with that kind of love. Then there's phileo. Phileo is brotherly love. That's the love between friends. And and then there's there's eros, which is... is physical love between married people. And then there's storge, which is, storge is, is kind of incorporated with phileo. It's, it's, it's familial love. It's the love that you would have for your brother, your sister, your mama, your daddy. That's familial love. And so anyway, there's different, there's different words for love in the Bible, and they, they mean a little bit different. But again, we're talking about brotherly love. And, and we're, to show, we're to show love to our family, of course. We're supposed to love our family. But you know what I've learned? Sometimes church family can be just as important as blood kin. Amen. And, and sometimes even more so, because I know there 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 are people that, I, that I'm closer to than I am some of my own kin folks, because we have a, a tighter bond in Jesus. You know. So the Bible says, "Let brotherly love continue." We ought to always love the brethren. Always. Romans twelve ten says, "Be kindly affectioned." Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Again, that that's 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 like family love, you know. I mean, you know, hey, that's my brother. I mean, I, I'm gonna, that's my, I mean, I'm gonna stand up for my brother. That's my brother, you know. That, that, that's, that's my mama. You know, that's, that's my kin folks. There's something there, you know. And, and so, and, and the Bible says. That we're to, we're to be that kind of a love to our brothers and sisters in Christ because we are we're in the same family, and the Bible is, is literally saying there <coughs> in Romans ten uh, twelve ten, it, it's literally telling us to outdo one another in showing honor to one another. That's what it's literally saying. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Y'all remember Chip and Dale? The, the cartoon chipmunks, and they they get ready to go downstairs and they say, before you, no, no, before you, before you. And they, they argue over who's going to go first, you know. And, and 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 that's you know God wants us to put the other one first. God wants us to honor each other like that, not not in a silly manner, but you know what I'm saying. God wants us to care about the other more than we care about ourselves, and show them more honor than we show ourselves. There's nothing worse than than a Christian walking around pissing around trying to look important. There's, there's nothing uglier, in my opinion than a Christian who thinks that they're all that. And and, and, and it just show and when they look they try to be so tall they look so small. See God the one who humbles himself and is love and kind and, and is not looking for, for uh not looking for somebody to go, Oh look at what you did somebody who doesn't want anybody to mention what they did. That's that's the tallest person. That's the one who stands the tallest in the church. That's the one who who, who has the most love because they're not seeking things in return. They're in an honor preferring one another. 
All right. So let me let me just say this to you. You can't have this both ways. First John four twenty says, if a man say I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So you can't call somebody your brother and hate them at the same time. You may listen. You may, you may have some people you used to go to church with, and they may have done you wrong, and they may have done some awful things, and and y'all may have some bad blood. But I'm gonna tell you something. You have to forgive those people. You have to let it go. You hang on to that. You can't hang on to that. And say I can't stand them so and so. I hate his guts. You can't do that as a believer. The Bible tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers and wickedness and high places. That's the devils who are influencing people to do things to hurt you. It's not them. Listen, they're just a pawn that the devil's using. We have to understand that. People are just pawns in the devil's game. He manipulates them to hurt you, and you hurt them in response. And that ain't right. No. We need to turn around and, and get on our knees and say, Jesus Get the devil. He did this. Listen, and if you do hate somebody that's a Christian, I mean, and if if you're hating somebody and 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 you calling yourself a believer, you know, don't 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 lie and claim to love God. Don't don't tell lies. Oh, I love the Lord. I love. No, if you hate somebody, you're not loving because you can't do both. Amen? If you want to love God, then you need to get on your knees this morning and ask God to forgive you for what you've got against somebody else and get that out of the way so then the floodgates of love can be opened up again. But I can tell you right now, it's blocked up like a beaver dam in your life and ain't no flow of God's love getting through. You're just sitting and and siring and soaking in your little cesspool of bad feelings and you've been there for how long? Time to pull the plug, drain that thing, and get the power of God flowing through your life again. Amen? Amen. The, the, the greatest of love, the Bible tells us, John fifteen thirteen. the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life. So to die for your friends, the Bible says, the greatest love of all. I mean, you know what Jesus did for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl? I mean, he laid down his life. For us, Amen. The Bible tells us in Romans five eight, but God commendeth, and that's a big word. It just means God demonstrated. God demonstrated or showed His love toward us. How did He do it? He did it in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, that's a, people are so foolish sometimes. They say, you know, well, I get my life straight now and everything. I'm gonna come to the Lord then. Well, you'll never come. That's like saying, boy, when I get over this sickness, they're going to go to the doctor. Dumb as a box of rocks, ain't it? Listen, you ain't never going to get no better until the Lord gets a hold of your life. You'll never get clean until the blood of Jesus is applied. You're not going to be a child of God until you come in through the only door, which is Jesus. And he laid his life down for us, amen? Romans 5, 8, but God committed his love. While we were yet sinners, why God, God God didn't say when they get clean. No, He says they're filthy, they're they're vile. But I'm going to go ahead and die for them. I'm going to do what's necessary. Christ died for us. 
and we that are his. We're we're designed by God to bear the image of Christ. Listen to what the Bible says, Romans 8, 29. Y'all know what 8, 28 says, but we know that all things work together for good to them and the love of God for them that are called according to his purpose. Well, then verse 29 says, for whom he did foreknow, that's those he knew were going to get saved, and he knows already, he knows everything. He also did predestinate. Well, God had a plan. Since he knew all these people were going to get saved, he has a plan for their life. Amen. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So he has a plan for us to look like Jesus to the world. That's what he's saying right there. That's real simple language. He did. They predestinated us to be conformed. That's just like taking Play-Doh. And, and I, I, I sit down with Savannah with her little Blue's Clues toys, and you mash down in that thing, and guess what? You pop it out, and there's blue right there in a the water play dough. How does that happen? It's conformed to the image. I pour water in an ice tray. Well, I don't anymore, but used to pour water in an ice tray, stick it in the freezer, and you go crack, and well, guess what? It looks just like the ice tray. It's conformed to the image of the ice tray. And God wants us to quit trying to resist him and make ourselves malleable, amen, let our, make ourselves be usable so that he can pour us into the image of his son and conform us to his image. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Well, that means that people get saved. Amen. So if, I'm, if, I'm, if I look like Christ, if I act like Christ, if I sound like Christ, you know what? People are going to get saved. That's what the Bible's saying. And, and the Bible says in John thirteen thirty five, by this, Shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. So if my life is expressing the heart of Jesus Christ, people are going to get saved. If my heart is expressing the love of Jesus Christ, people are going to say, hey, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. Hey, I want to get around them. I like being around them. They're pleasant. They don't, they're not acting ugly to me. They're, they're kind to me. They're loving to me. They actually seem to care about me. They have compassion toward me. Again, they conform to the image of his son. So, again, by, all, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. So when that, that's how people can tell a real Christian from a fake. So Peter gives us some instructions on how to do it. How do we love, Peter? First, finally. Be ye all of one mind. So if you're going to love, you're going to have to have one mind. Well, what mind? Well, that's pretty simple. It ain't your mind. It's the mind of Christ. So if we all have one mind, again, we're going to have we're going to have to have a source that we're all going to agree with, and that's the Bible. That's God's will. Amen. So He says, "See that y'all have one mind. Be of all one mind, having compassion one of another." So. One mind, mind like Christ, and what is he? He's full of compassion, so we got that compassion. And he says, love his brethren, okay? So I ought to favor those in Christ above other people. That's what God's telling us. We're to love them. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, be pitiful. So in other words, when people fall down, let's don't be judgmental. Let's, let's, let's be pitiful. Let's be kind and help them back up and be courteous one to another. And, and that's what he says, be courteous, be kind, helpful. One to another. That's how you love people. Amen? You, you be Christ-like, compassionate, loving, helpful, and not judgmental of everybody. John 1 John three fourteen. 
We know that we have passed from death unto life. How do we know that, John? He said, because we love the brethren. That's how we know. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. He ain't saved. He's dead. If you don't, if you don't love other, you know, that's one thing that assures me that I'm saved. Think about that. If you ever doubt your salvation, or do you love it when you hear when you hear people preach the Bible? Do you, do you love do you love it when you see somebody else get saved? That's, that assures you that you're saved. You know, lost people can care less. Lost people do not care when people get saved. Lost people do not care when when somebody preaches a good message. Lost people can care less. You know, the Spirit of God living in you, that's what responds to that. So that's how we know where he is. Amen? That and the Bible tells us so. <clears throat> but anyway, so loving our brother assures us of, of our home salvation. And the love of God is also manifested in us, listen here, in loving our enemy. That's not easy, but that's something God's commanded us. Luke six twenty-seven and 28. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you for them which despitefully use you. That's one of the toughest, most rewarding things I've learned to do is pray for people that hate me. I do. I I pray every, and I've learned to do this. I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to say, hey, look at me. I'm just telling you, I've learned that when I pray, I say, Lord, bless my enemies. Lord, please show them yourself. Reveal them, real, reveal to them your word. Reveal to them who Jesus is, that he died for them. Lord, draw them to salvation. Lord, if they are saved, Father, whatever has come between us, Father, I pray you work it out so that we're not going to be enemies for much longer. That's the way we're to pray. You know, I, I pray for the salvation, but I also pray like this. I say, God, those that are your enemies, your enemies that hate you and your word and hate your people, Lord, just destroy them. Because, listen, if they're not going to come to Christ, then, then God, take them out. But, but we're to pray for them to be saved. We're to pray for, for, for God to bless them. And, again, I want you to think about something for a second. Love and hate are very closely related. Love and hate are very closely related. Hate is not the opposite of love. You'd think it is, but it's not. Listen, take take a couple that are divorced. Well, they loved one another, loved one another, loved one another. And then they got divorced, and now they hate one another. Now, how did that happen? It's because if you didn't ever invest yourself in that person, you'd never feel the rejection, which made you feel the hate. You know what the opposite of love is? Indifferent. Apathy. I don't care one way or the other. That's the real opposite of love. Because see, when you when you when you don't care anything about whether or not people go to heaven, you just don't do anything. It's not that you hate them; you just don't care. To the love, amen. Just indifference, just not caring at all. Listen, those people. Listen, if there wasn't, they wouldn't have hated Jesus. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have wanted to destroy him had there not been a potential love there. But they rejected it, and there was scorn there because of it. But Jesus displayed the epitome of true, real love when he cried out from the cross in Luke twenty-three thirty-four, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." That's love, folks. That's real love. When he cried out, when those who were spitting on him and mocking him and 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 and, and 
and telling him that he was that he was he wasn't the son of God and mocking him and telling him, well, come on down there if you're really him. And he saved others, but he can't save himself. Jesus said, Father, forgive. They don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. That's love. That's real love. You know, the thing about Jesus dying for us, when they came to get him, they didn't surprise him. He wasn't surprised when they showed up in the garden that night. You know, they didn't take him by force either. He said in John ten eighteen, no man taketh it from me, talking about his life, but I lay it down of myself. Because I want to is what he's saying. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. They're not taking my life from me. They're not coming to take me, and I can't do anything about it. Oh, no, no, no. He said, this is the commandment that I received of my father. John 10, 15, he said, I lay down my life for my sheep. I lay it down. That's why he said in Matthew 26, 53, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? That's 12,000 angels God would have sent if he'd have asked you. He could have, but no, he didn't, he didn't have to. He did it because of his love. He did it because he wanted to. He died for us, even though we were still sinners. Even though we weren't we weren't worthy, he still did it anyway. Romans five eight, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And even worse than that, verse ten says, When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Here we were enemies, sworn enemies of God, and yet he came and rescued us. Again, a brother, love us at all times. Proverbs seventeen seventeen, it says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Listen to what that says again. A friend loveth at all times. That's what a friend is. A friend is somebody you can count on no matter what. And a brother is born for adversity. When the trials of life set down on you, and threaten to squash you. That's when the brothers. That's what the brothers there for to stand arm in arm with you, to stand there in solidarity with you. You know, not all brothers are friends, but all true friends are brothers. You take people that have served in in military together. There's a bond that's formed there. People that have that have been in a in a disaster situation together. There's a bond that's formed there. Somebody's been through some kind of a a horrifying ordeal and you survived it together, there, there's a bond. There's, there's something that comes out of that that's real. And, uh, you know, troubles, struggles, trials, success, defeats, victories, all make men brothers, women sisters, if you go through it together. Friends. I mean, what, what's the value of a friend? I tell you, a friend is a very valuable thing. A friend will look you in the eye and tell you the truth when nobody else will. Proverbs 27, verse 6, is faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Yeah, somebody don't like you, they'll lie to you, they'll tell you all kinds of things, and butter you up, and set you up for a fall, but a friend will just flat out and lay you down and tell you, hey, this is the way it is. You need to straighten that out. This is a mess. Your life is a wreck. You've got to get it together. Come on now. A friend will tell you, I've never seen you like this before. You got to, you got to, you got to come out of this. 
I never forget. I've had that happen to me several different times in my life when I was down at the bottom. I can think back right now on two different men who came to me and didn't have to when I was messing up, and they said, man, you, you're better than this. You're worth more than this. This is not you. Quit doing this. Get up from here. Don't. This is not the way you. It's not the way it's supposed to end for you. And you know what? They weren't coming to me trying to be a big shot. They were coming to me in love, coming to me because they cared about me and they didn't want to see me sit, uh, sit down in my my troubles and stay there. That's what a brother does, and they'll tell you straight up. You, you're, you're making a mess out of things. You got to get up from here. Never trust somebody who tells you what you want to hear. Think about that. A friend doesn't worry about offending you. They want to help you. Insincere flattery is absolutely worthless. Absolutely worthless. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 28, 23, he that rebuketh a man afterward shall find more favor than than he that flattereth with the tongue. Amen. He'll be glad. The person will be glad once you if you told somebody, hey, you got to correct this. You're going the wrong direction. Once all said and done, they'll be thanking you. Thanks for that advice. Thank you for caring enough. If somebody say, oh, you're fine, it's gone. You're doing great. You know, you flatter somebody all the way to their ruin. You can you you can be listen. Let me let me put it like this. With, because you don't want to offend, you can you can say the wrong thing and send them all the way to their destruction. Because you're afraid to offend. That's what's, that's one thing that's so wrong with this political correctness, this this uh, I'm afraid to offend everybody, cancel culture nonsense. It, it, it keeps people from, from from being like people used to and just telling people straight up what they needed to hear. It's, oh, I don't want to hurt nobody. I don't want to offend. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Well, sometimes the wrong thing is the right thing. Amen. Sometimes just flat out telling somebody the truth it's what they needed to hear all along, and it takes finally somebody just flattening them, and then they finally turn around because, why didn't nobody tell me that? Because everybody was trying to be nice, and they were holding back the truth from me. Listen, that's not a friend. That's not a friend at all. Psalm, Psalm 141, verse 5 says, Let the righteous smite me. That means let them literally slap the fire out of me. The righteous. It shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me. Let him correct me. Let him. Let, it'll be kind when I get a whooping by somebody who's right with God. Not a literal whooping, but a tongue lashing, whatever it may be. Listen, I've had I've had preachers say something sharp to me out of the blue, and I didn't realize I was messing up. I didn't like it either. But after I stepped back from it, I said, wait, he was right. He was right. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil. It means for healing, which shall not break my head. For yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. He's saying, he's saying, thank God they cared enough about me to help me to turn around. I'll pray for them when they're down. That's what he's saying. That's the way brothers are supposed to do. We're supposed to love one another and build one another up and care about one another and help one another when we're down. Lift one another up so they can lift us up when we're down. That's what brothers do. Amen. We, you know, we're, we're, to, we're to fight this battle together, arm in arm. We're the Lord's army. And again, see, there, there, there is a greatest love. The greatest love of all. Contrary to the Whitney Houston song, 
Learning to love yourself is not the greatest love of all. Matter of fact, that's the opposite. That's called Satanism, if y'all didn't know that. And that's nothing wrong with care. It's not, listen, there's nothing wrong with loving yourself, but calling the love of yourself the greatest love of all, that's truly idolatry. No, the greatest love of all is loving the unlovely and being willing to die for them. That's the greatest love of all. And John knew all about this because John had stood there and watched Jesus die for sinners. I think he was equipped to speak on this subject. First John 4, 7, and 8, Beloved, let us love, which is agapeo, one another, for love, agape, is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. For he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In other words, if, if we're his, then his fingerprints are all over us. If we're his, we're to bear the marks of him. Amen? He said we're to love because love is of God. I mean, it's, we're denying the nature God put in us if we don't love other people, if we don't have a sacrificial love. In verse 10 of our, of our text, Paul said, And indeed ye do it. You're doing it. To all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. He's talking about, look here. They're right here. And he said, all these brethren that are all through here. This is Macedonia. He said, y'all are showing that kind of love to all these brethren. And all these different little small groups that have started and popped up since I've been there. You're showing love to everybody. Praise God, you're doing it like you should. He said, but listen. He said, but we beseech you. We're pleading with you. Don't let it level off. He said, we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Don't stop. You be on an upward trajectory with the love of Christ growing and maturing in you, and don't ever stop all the way to the grave. Just keep on going. Paul echoed this message in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Listen to what he said. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I have not gotten to where I want to get to. Is what he's saying. I have not. I am not the stature of a full-grown and mature Christian. You can look at and say, "Well, that's what it's supposed to look like right there." He's saying, "I'm not fully grown yet, but this one thing I do." What do you do, Paul? He says, "I forget those things which are behind. I can't look back at what I used to be and think about what I used to be because that will depress me." Amen. I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth unto those things which are before. What is that? The things that God has for me. I, that, my mind is not back there. Okay? I can't. This, that's a ghost town in my life. That's a ghost town in your life. That's things that don't exist anymore and never will exist anymore. And you're wasting your moments dwelling with what's back there. But everything's in front of you. And if you'll focus on what's in front of you, you'll work towards what's in front of you. And if you'll, if you'll focus with, with the mind of God on who's and what's in front of you, then God can effectively use you for his purpose. He said, he said, I am reaching unto those things which are before. And he said, I press, which means I'm straining. I'm reaching, pressing toward the mark. That's, that's the high calling. Amen. For the prize, he says, for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus has set the bar. Y'all seen the people do the high jump with the pole ball and all that? Okay. They set that bar way up there. That's high. Yeah, but that's where I got to get to. So they take all runners, stick that pole on the ground, and try to get up over the mark. Well, Jesus has set the bar for us, and we are on an upward trajectory to try to hit that mark. And I know, and you know, we'll never hit it while we're here. 
But you know what? Some of us will get closer than others. Some of us will jump higher than others. You know what? When we get to heaven, God's not going to God's not going to reward us whether or not we jump over the ball. He's going to reward us based on how high we jump. Amen. And I know it's not about high jumping. I understand. Y'all know it's a metaphor, but you understand what I'm saying. It's about how much love we produce. How much we, we didn't. Uh, let me back it up. It ain't how much love we produce. It's how much love we allowed to be produced through us. We're just the vessel. We're just like a water pipe. You know, somebody goes down to Home Depot or Lowe's and they buy some they buy some three quarter or one inch water pipe and they run it under their house. Okay, <clears throat> that water pipe is is only there for one purpose. It's to transport water from point A to point B. And you and I are like water pipes that God has put down here, and He's put us down here to, to transport His love from point A to point B. And that's what we are. We're a connection from one person, from God to another person. And God wants to love us through, uh, love us through uh, them through us. And, and again, He wants to pour His love through us. And He said so. So He said, "Listen," He said, "I haven't got there yet, but I, I'm, I'm straining toward being what God wants me to be." I, he said, "The high calling. There's no higher calling in this world than for God to call you to love other people." and to share Jesus with them, and to see somebody come into the family of God and miss hell forever. I mean, what a, what a thrilling thing to be a part of. And he said, therefore, let us therefore as many as be perfect. And that, again, that's not without sin. That just means those of us that have grown up, those of us that are a little bit mature in the Lord. He said, let's be thus minded. Let's be minded that we're, we're to be reaching forward and not looking back. If we've grown at all, let's show it in our, in our behavior by... by by striving for that for Christ's sake. And I'm going to give you real quick, and we're done. Verse 11 and 12, very quickly. Paul finishes this thought up by giving some simple rules for living. He told him, yes, y'all need to increase in your love and not ever give up. Just continue on. But he goes on to say this in verse 11. He says, and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. So what is he saying? He's saying, number one, you need to strive to live a quiet life. What's the opposite of that? Loud, abrasive. Hey, everybody, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at me. Selfies and everything. Let me show you everything in my life so you look how great I am. God says, don't do that. Don't do that. No. Strive to live a quiet life. You know, God, God is not wanting us to be famous. God never asked anybody to be famous. Fame is a construct made up by man. Because we're all just a bunch of dirt balls held together by the grace of God. So why would anybody be famous? Ain't none of us worth anything. Listen, it's only only what God put in us that makes us have any value. So why in the world would we seek to, to have notoriety? You know, if God wants you to have notoriety, God can certainly lift you up and give you that notoriety. And if God don't want you to have it, you don't need it. So he wants us to live a quiet life, just minding our own business. That's the second thing. Mind your own business. He said, do your own business. In other words, get out of everybody else's. If you focus on you, you have all the time. You, you have all the time real live. If you focus on ground straight, you have. Focus on doing your thing. Focus on doing what God's got you doing. Stay in your own lane. Quit being a busybody and, and, and gossiping and talking about everybody else. Just focus on you. Amen. That's one of the best ways to be a good Christian. Amen. That don't mean you don't care about other people. That don't mean you don't bear other people's burdens, as the Bible tells us to. But let me tell you, you don't bear them like this. That ain't how you bear burdens. 
Now, pray with me for Sister Sosa because they're going through something. That's sharing a burden. But having to air it all out, oh, ain't that terrible? Ooh, can you imagine, girl? I mean, listen, that's gospel. Mind your own business. Live a quiet life. And thirdly, he said, and work with your own hands, so he commanded you. Stay busy being useful. Be useful. Find some way to be useful to help somebody else. Look, if we could just, and again, I ain't talking about getting their business, but if you could find a way to be a blessing to somebody, by all means, use your time being a blessing because God will bless you for being a blessing to somebody else. So he said, listen, while we're loving people, that's how to do it. Be quiet and stay out of their way and, and be useful. Amen? You know, again, people love to see you coming when you're helpful. People hate to see you coming when you've got a problem. Amen? So be helpful in somebody else's life. Amen? Don't always come being a burden. No, and, and number 12, lastly, he said that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, that you may have lack of nothing. That you may walk honestly. Two things, he said. First of all, he's saying live with a good reputation. Have a good testimony. Amen? That you may walk honestly toward them that are without. <clears throat> you know what a tragedy for a, a believer to have a bad reputation. For everybody, if you mention their name, and they say, oh, man, not him, not her. Ugh. Why? Because because of what people know of. Don't have a bad reputation. Walk honestly. Don't be the person they say, well, you can't trust them. They'll cheat you. What a horrible reputation to have. Or, or you, ain't, you better watch him around your wife. Or, or you better watch her around your husband. What a What a reputation to have. Or, or you got to watch them, man. They like they like to get you in trouble. Don't have that kind of reputation. We ought to have the reputation of, uh, of man. You get around them, they'll talk about Jesus a little bit. You get around them, hey, you know what? You come away from there feeling better because they'll lift you up. That's the kind of reputation you ought to have of being a blessing to other people. Oh, I love to see them coming. What a blessing they are. That's that's the kind of person I want to be. And he said, and that you may have lack of nothing. What he mean there is live with a good name. Have a good name. Work hard, take care of the people you love, and do right by them. Have a good name of taking care of people that you love, that you may have lack of nothing. That doesn't say that you may have an abundance of everything, but it says that you may have lack of nothing. Listen, we're not to want all the fancy things of this world. We, we ought to want, want what we need and what we and have what we need and, and be resourceful and be thankful and, and, be, and be, uh, be good stewards of what God's given us. And you see, if we can be those kinds of things, and if we can love people, we're being what God wants us to be as a believer. Now, now listen, God's not looking for everybody to be a superstar. God just wants people just to get in there and put one day after another loving him and loving other people. That's what Paul wanted from this church at Thessalonica. And I'm going to tell you, you know, the Bible says very plainly, and I'm going to close with this uh, Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord... He maketh even his enemy peace with him. Listen, if, if, if you'll just strive to grow in your relationship with the Lord, if you'll just strive to be like him, if you'll just, if you'll just strive to, 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 not, to not seek the spotlight, to not have all the attention, but to be useful for God, you will begin to see how God will use you because you'll be, you'll be doing things in the correct format. And God will be able to take you and do something with your life. And that's what we all want. We all want when this life's over for the Lord to say to us, well done. 
about good in place of serving. Am I right? Well, we got we got to do well, so we need to come. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if God has shown you this morning some things you might need to change in you, I urge you to come and do business with the Lord. Listen, nobody's going to think you're a terrible person because you came to pray. But all of us, from time to time, have got funds. We need to come and get right with God. And that's between you and him. But I urge you this morning, come and do business for the Lord. Let's, let's, let's be the kind of people that, that, that the Lord can use, those who, who represent him well. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 500. We're going to pray, and we're going to sing number 500. And you come and do business for the Lord. God moving in your life this morning. Father, I thank you so much for, for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, for the encouragement for us to be Christ-like. I'm thankful, Lord, for, for you to encourage us to the uh, to surrender ourselves to you and to, uh, Lord, to, to let you live and walk in us and through us so others might see you in us, that they might feel that love through us. Lord, that we might forget our past and, Lord, look forward to the future and what you can do in our lives. And, Lord, leave a testimony when we leave this world. Father, help us now. Turn this invitation. Draw people to make decisions for you. And, Lord, give them what they ask for in Jesus. Amen. Number five
what's gone wrong in me. I, I, I want to please you. I want to care about what you care about. I, I want to please. I want to. I want to do things to to uh, build up the family of God, and not and not to let my life be a detriment to others. I urge you to talk to the Lord about it. You you examine your own self and you go to God about it and you seek it, because I promise you, God has more for you than you could ever imagine. But you've got to be hungry for it. You got to want it. All right, let's bow our heads for prayer and be dismissed. And I will see you back here this evening at 6, and we're going to talk about repentance tonight, all right? Let's be back in the house of the Lord tonight at 6. All right, Donnie, this message. Lord, Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you brought in this Lord over this thing that you brought us. So be together. We just pray for that travel to heaven home and that travel to come to heaven home. Love and appreciate you. Pray. Hey, praise the Lord.